Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're going to be talking about that verse that you just saw in that intro video. That verse is known as God's great commission for those of us who are Christ followers, also known as God's great mission that he wants all of us to go out into the world and share the, the love of Jesus with people who desperately need to know about him. So we're gonna talk about how we as a church family are attempting to fulfill that great commission. And we're gonna do that through kind of a unique way. So today's gonna be a little bit unique for us, but we're actually going to interview, I'm gonna interview some of our team members that went to Guatemala this summer. So we've got a partnership with a church down there that we've enjoyed over the past seven years. And we actually took two trips to Guatemala this summer and team number one, came and did the first service. So they, they did the interview in the first service. So if you know somebody who was on the first trip and you wanna hear their story, then we're gonna put that on our podcast. And then um, today we're actually gonna put this podcast on as well. So if there's somebody in the first service that wanted to hear this, then you'll have a chance to do that as well. So it's gonna be a little bit unique. And what I ask you to do when our team comes up is put on your best smile and your brightest eyes, okay? Because it's a little intimidating being up here. If you're not up here on a regular basis, looking out at you know, all these eyes, and um, every once in a while, you watch somebody doze off and you know, get a little nap when I'm preaching. That's real encouraging. So if you would just you know, be your, your most shining self today for this team that comes up, you can imagine how difficult it might be uh, to come up and share uh, an experience that, that you've had that it's really ch uh, changing your life, something that God is doing in your life. So be in prayer for our, our team members as they're preparing to do that. But before we do that, a couple of totally random things. Number one, um, Rich Carr. Where's Rich Carr? I'm going to embarrass him again. Is he sitting with his family back there? Or did he run and, and hide because I embarrassed him in the first service? He may not be here. So Rich, if you are here, stand up. If you're not, you probably can't. Okay, so Rich Carr, for those of you who don't know Rich, Rich is one of our uh, elders, provides spiritual leadership to us as a church, and today is a very special day for him because he turned 76 years young today. So I'm still looking, you know, hard for him, but is he, you see it? Where is he? They're pointing in a direction. There he is in the back corner. There's Rich. All right, everybody, clap for Rich. So we don't announce a whole lot of birthdays. Obviously, it gets a little bit challenging with a group this size. But um, Rich has provided spiritual leadership uh, to a lot of people for many years. Uh, he has been a mentor to me and provided spiritual leadership to me for about 26 years or so. I am very indebted to him for the investment he's made in me. And uh, we just wanted to say, Rich, thank you very much, and happy 76th birthday. All right. Now that we've completely embarrassed him, and he'll probably uh, resign as an elder next week, um, but a totally random second thing that I wanted to tell you. So as a pastor, I occasionally get asked some questions, and, and often they're reoccurring questions. And this is a question that I get periodically. And people often will ask, uh, do you have a, a job that you do during the week? Do you do anything different? Now that's, di I know you're snickering, but that's different than the, 
hey, you only work, you know, two hours a week and it's on Sunday morning. So, you know, it's different than that, than that question. Um, so sometimes people say like, what do you do to pay your bills? Do you, do you have a job that you work at all week and then you come on Sundays and then you, you do this on the side? Like, how does that work? So I understand there's a lot of people don't understand some church dynamics. So for me, for the past 16 years, I've been in what is called full-time vocational ministry. So 16 years ago, I was challenged by the leadership at Palm Coast Community Church to come on staff vocationally. We've got a few PC3ers here that we love PC3. So they challenged me to come on staff vocationally and, um, and do all of my work at helping to advance what God wants to do through the local church. Now, if you've heard any of my story, you know that I've never wanted to work at a church. I've never wanted to be a pastor. So that was like, what? I was going to have to do both those things. So through a, a season of prayer, uh, my wife and I felt like this is what, something that God wants us to do. And so if you're not familiar with church dynamics, here's basically how that works kind of behind the scenes actually starts in the Old Testament part of the Bible. So God's plan for church leaders was that a gathering of Christ followers, we talked about this last week, we talked about ecclesia, so a gathering of of Christ followers called together for God's specific purpose. So a gathering of Christ followers would come together and they would give back to God through a local church what's called tithes and offerings. So tithe is a 10% of your income, of my income. And offerings is above and beyond that. And a portion of that money that would be given back to God through a local church would be used to support the church leaders. And church leaders then would be able to focus all of their time and energy on one thing, advancing what God wants to do through that local church. So that's been God's plan for thousands of years, and we are a part of that plan right now. So if you are giving, if you give financially, you're a part of that plan. You're a part of meeting the needs of our church staff so that they can advance what God wants us to do here as a church. So obviously, I'm not the only pastor that we have on staff. We have several other full-time staff members. We have some part-time staff members, and we have some super cool, amazing, like, full-time volunteers. And I like, you know, like, I know you're not supposed to have idols, but when I see them, I just want to bow down and just like, well, thank you so, so much, because they do so much on a volunteer level. It's just amazing. But let me tell you about one of our staff members. So Evan and Carla show, so Evan leads our worship ministry, um, and his wife leads our programming ministry and our creative media team. They've been on staff with us for a year and a half, a little bit over a year and a half. And I'll just take you back. If you were here with us when they came on staff, um, I'll take you back to when I I talked to you about that and they were taking this big leap of faith and and, uh, listen to this exciting job proposal that we gave them when when they were coming on staff. I said, uh, man, you know, we were at this spot. Our elders were praying about this and it just seemed that it was the right timing for them to come on staff and focus on the areas that they were focusing on. Um, We needed help with our our worship ministry. We needed help with with teaching. Evan provides that. We need help programming. Carla provides some of that. She's involved in our international missions as well. Um, Evan helps with our website and social media and reaching out to our community. There's a lot of things that both of them do. So we felt like it it was time for that. And um, so I met with them and said, listen, here's what we would like to propose. I want you to pray through it. We feel as a church that we're ready to support you at about 60% of your income. And we're going to ask you to raise the other 40% from outside of our church family, people that are willing to to give. And we would like the benefit of 100% of your energy focused on Epic. 
So imagine going to a job interview and, and, and you know, your potential boss saying, hey, him, by the way, um, we'd like you to raise 40% of your income outside of what we're going to pay you at this job. How excited would you be? Would you be like, yes, I'm doing this? Well, they prayed through that and said, we want to do this. We really feel like God's calling us to do that. So part of that original plan was uh, that would be a two-year thing. At the end of that two-year, we were prayerful that, that God would have us at a spot financially. We would be able to support them fully. We're almost there. And, and we are close from a financial standpoint. We're close. So it's fantastic. And that is, that, that response is for you. I mean, that, that clap, it really goes back to you. So when you give, you help us to acquire some leaders that can do what scripture teaches, that we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And uh, it takes a team of people who focus 100% of our energy on, on what we need to do, what God wants us to do as a local church. So here's my challenge for you. If you're giving, thank you. Thank you for being part of God's strategy. Um, I know that giving can be challenging. I understand that. Uh, I remember my story about 18 years ago is where I got serious about this thing called tithing. And uh, again, it's 10% of our income back to God uh, through a local church. And uh, God worked in my life at the lowest point that we were financially ever. And I said, God, this makes no sense that you would ask us to do this. And yet we took this leap of faith and watched God do infinitely more than we could ever do. And here's what I honestly believe. God can do more with 90% of my income than I can do with 100% of my income. It's God's math. It's weird. It's, it's backwards. It doesn't make sense to us, but it makes perfect sense to God. So my challenge is, if you haven't begun the journey of giving yet financially, I challenge you to do that. If this is your church home, I challenge you to start giving. Find a percentage and start working towards that 10%. I honestly believe It'll be one of those spiritual growth markers in your life that you'll look back and you'll say, you know what? My relationship with God significantly began to grow in that moment when I got serious about giving back to God through a local church. Um, so challenge you to do that. Encourage you to do that. Thank you for those of you who are giving and on the journey. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay, next thing. So today, we are talking about our international mission trip. So I want to tell you about a partnership that we have in Guatemala. And uh, we've been with this partner for the past seven years. And it's been a, a great partnership. It's been fantastic to watch this grow over the years. And so I want to introduce you to the church down there and some of their leaders. And I'm going to tell you about some of the projects. And then I'm going to invite our team up. So this first picture here you see is a picture of the main sanctuary of the church in Guatemala. And um, if you've been there or if you, you've been to, to an area similar to this, you understand that it's not a building sitting by itself somewhere that we could take a picture of. So it is a building in a bunch of buildings. And this is uh, kind of the best shot that I could give to give you a sample of what the, the sanctuary actually looks like in their church facility. And this next picture shows the, the leaders there, primary leaders there, Mike and Nancy Watkins. And they have been in Guatemala, Guatemala for 10 years. They felt this, this call. They went on an international mission trip. They were in Guatemala. They just went as missionaries, as team members, like some of the team that you're going to hear from today. They went on this trip and felt like God was speaking to them and saying, I want you to go back and I want you to be the primary leaders there in that location. And so they responded 
And, and they went, and they've been there for 10 years, and they're doing an amazing job. This next picture is Melanie and Alex. They both have been here um, not that long ago. And um, Melanie leads their, their missions uh, part of the church. And so she's the one that oversees the, the team members there and, and works with them to help us have the, the best week we can possibly have and, and coordinating all the projects that there are. Um, and if you're, if you're not kind of new to missions, you don't have a whole lot of experience with that, there are some not so great mission experiences out there, and there are some great mission experiences out there. The reason we keep going back and have this partnership is because of, of her and this team that you're about to see. They do an amazing job um, of creating uh, the, the system and the structure. When we show up, we have lots that we can be involved in and doing a very productive week because of them. So this picture here shows uh, the, the primary team leaders that we have, the Guatemalans that are there that help us lead the trip. On the bottom left, we have Isai. In the gray shirt, we have his brother, Jonathan, who's no longer there at that organization, but he's still local. We have over in the top right is Omar, and then we have Clay in uh, the, the orange shirt, and Clay has been here as, as well. We've had the chance to, to have him here at our, our church, and then there's Alejandra, and then there's Melanie again. And again, for us, those, who, who, uh, those of us who have gone back to, to Guatemala year after year, um, they're one of the reasons that we do that. I feel like they're part of our church family. There are some amazing people that, that do an amazing job of, of, of helping us to have the best mission experience possible. And their heart is aligned with our heart. And it's just so cool to be working with them. They're an amazing group of people. Um, let me tell you about some of the projects that we have. Here, uh, this is a picture of homes being manufactured at the church. And so we go down and we build some homes down there. And uh, they're, for us, they're like glorified sheds. You know, uh, we would think, you know, what do I put my lawnmower in that? And down there, it's a major upgrade. And so they actually manufacture those homes at the church. We load them in the back of a truck. So if you can think of a house in a truck, that's it right there. So we load that up and then we drive that to the location. There's a slab that, that's been poured when we get there. We work together to, to build that home. Um, and then one of the things that, that we do once the home is built is we have a house blessing. This next picture you'll see, we're doing a house blessing. So there's a few Bible verses we're reading. We're giving the family uh, a Bible. We're sharing the gospel with them. And uh, it's, it's just an amazing experience. And then this next picture is kind of, it's the moment. Um, if you've seen Extreme Home Makeovers, it's kind of like, move that bus, here's your house, and here's the keys, and you know, down there, it's kind of like, move that cow, and, and here's your keys, or, you know, whatever. We don't have a bus down there, but anyway, it's a major moment. It's, it's amazing to think how significant this is to hand a key to someone who's never locked anything in their life, never had a key, never had something that they could secure. And so to hand them a key is often a very emotional experience for them as it is for us. And so um, it's amazing to do that. This is a first family that we were able to build a home for. The father is not a believer. You can see they have, um, they have eight kids. Not all of them are there. Seven of them are boys. So be in prayer for that family. They got a lot of challenges. Um, and then that's our team there. Okay, the next project that we've been involved in over the past uh, number of years is called Campus de Sueños, which means Field of Dreams. It's a feeding center that this building was not there. When we first went to Guatemala that first year, 
Uh, we started in the process of, I think it was the second year, we started clearing this land that they were able to purchase. And we built it. We were part of building this, this building. They did it down there. Um, but it cost about $150,000. And they built this, this beautiful building where they could feed four to 700 kids in a community that desperately needs food. One of the poorest communities in that area. And so they feed these kids on a regular basis. They feed them spiritually and they feed them physically. And they actually started uh, a children's church. They did children's church before they ever did adult church. And they had like 400 kids coming. And then somebody thought, maybe we should invite their parents. And so they now do uh, adult services as well. They do that on the weekend, do an amazing job. This next picture shows some of the kids. You see the Guatemalan kids in, in, amongst our kids that are there. And those Guatemalan kids, there's four there. There's another one that, that we had a picture of earlier. There are four kids, five kids that we support as a, a church family. It costs about $155 to go to school there. And that's a major, major deal. So a lot of kids, their education is, is up to the third grade if they can get that. Imagine what you're going to do with the third grade education. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? How are you going to survive in life? So education is a very big deal. So our children's ministry and our student ministry raises money to send these kids to school. It's just amazing. I love it. They start this, this push back in our children's ministry and our student ministry. And, and we've had kids say to their family members, like, what I want for my birthday is just money that I can give to help a kid go to school. Isn't that amazing? One of our kids would do that, sacrifice, you know, maybe a new toy or something they could get to help somebody around the world go to school. So those are the kids that we've been um, sponsoring for uh, a few years. Next picture shows... Uh, uh, location. This is called, we would call it the club. Down there, they call it El Club. And it's an after-school program led by this next guy. This is Fester. So Fester leads this after-school program. He does feeding. Uh, again, physically, he does spiritual feeding for about 200 kids in an extremely poor community and helps them to, to know that God loves them. And so we're able to come alongside of them and help them with that. They, we did a medical clinic there, and, and the first team did a, um, did a lot of after-school programs with them there as well. This picture shows uh, one of our medical clinics, and this is a line of the people that had lined up uh, that were there, I think, an hour in advance before we got there. Um, this is a group of people waiting to, to see our physicians. This is Miss Sue, who was giving out 300 vaccinations, uh, tetanus shots, and she poked a whole lot of people that week. And uh, this is a dog that did not want to be poked by her, but wanted to go any, everywhere that family went in the, the feeding center or the, the clinic. This is a picture of our pharmacy. So we brought five different bags, uh, luggage, filled with medicines. And then we set up a pharmacy and we were able to, to service many of the people there. Another one of the projects is the water filter. So this was amazing. This is what you gave to. So we gave over 80 uh, water filters. We were able to purchase over 80 water filters and we gave 30 of those away and the other ones are being given away as well now. Um, but these water filters are amazing things to help make someone's life better. If you can imagine drinking dirty water all the time and what that would do to you. So we were able to explain the gospel to them and help them uh, have a little bit better life. Uh, this last uh, set of pictures represents Hope Haven, a ministry a number of our people were able to go to. It's a wheelchair factory. And so many of the people that work there are handicapped 
and in wheelchairs, and they're assembling wheelchairs to help bless people in that country that don't have access to that kind of stuff. And uh, so we were able to come alongside and support them as they were doing that. So those are, that's just a quick overview of the projects uh, that we were involved with this summer. But now I would like to introduce you to team number two, at least a few members from team number two. So if you would welcome them to the stage, that would be fantastic. All right, welcome up here, gang. Good to see you again. Good to have you. So I'm going to start with David. So we have David, we have Rachel, and we have Jen. Um, David, Rachel, and Jen. Everybody, everybody. David, Rachel, and Jen. All right. All right, so David, give a quick overview of our week and uh, trip number two. Okay, so we started out at the crack of dawn in Palm Coast. Uh, We drove to Orlando and flew to a foreign country, uh, but Miami wasn't so bad. (laughs) Some of you will get that later. Um, Then we flew to Guatemala, but um, so we arrived um, later in the evening on Saturday um, into Guatemala City. Then we have to get into a couple different cars or vehicles and drive um, a couple hours, I think, to Antigua, where we actually stay. Um, so we got in, got settled up, but we have a full week when we get there. So Sunday rolls around. We end up uh, going to church that morning in the, in the church that Trent showed you pictures of. Um, we do lunch. And normally on Sunday, we would have a little bit of a free time to go kind of check out the town, um, which we had a tiny bit of that this time, but we actually jumped right into a medical clinic for some of the elderly people at the church. So we, uh, we hit the ground running, so to speak. Um, the next two days, Monday and Tuesday, uh, we had a house build on both days, and then we had another team go do medical clinics on those days. Um, Wednesday, I believe we... Um, let's see, what was Wednesday? Filters. We did, we did the filters in the morning, so you saw the pictures of uh, some of the filters we handed out, and then in the afternoon we went and fed uh, what seemed to me a thousand children. <laughs> they multiply. Um, Thursday, we, had, we did have one uh, day to ourselves on Thursday, so we hiked a volcano, which was really cool to do that. Uh, Friday we did uh, we broke up into groups again did the wheelchair facility and also did another medical clinic uh, then Saturday we we packed up and flew out cool so that was a, a full week full week there was uh, very little downtime but it was really good we uh, we did a lot yeah um, Rachel uh, you have been involved in our trip this is our second year for you and last year we started with our first uh, medical clinic. And for those of you who don't know, she's a nurse practitioner. And we had a number of, of folks that were in the medical uh, field, um, a few other uh, PA and then another nurse practitioner uh, that was with us and helped us to, to see the patients that we saw. So just give an overview of the medical clinics. Like what was that like? What were you seeing? What, what kind of uh, things were you doing for people there? Okay, so the medical clinics, they all... Um, We had four different ones this time, and they all kind of had different um, anticipated needs, so they were in different areas. The first one was for the elderly of um, the 
church that we partner with, IDC, and it was more arthritis and aches and pains and um, a lot of biofreeze and ibuprofen um, was given out at that clinic, not anything too significant. The other clinics are, you never really know what you're going to get. They are, um, people walk and, and come long distances to get there. They don't always have, they rarely have access to health care. So um, when they hear there's a clinic, it's, it's a big deal, and, and they really go to great lengths to get there. Um, at El Club, it, there were a lot of um, children um, because that's where, you know, they get some programming and some food. So um, they were coming all day while their parents weren't with them. So you have, like, big sister bringing her little sister and brothers and really wanting vitamins. You know, a lot of moms um, and kids, they just want vitamins. They say they're not eating well. And um, if we could give them a month's worth, we did. Um, And then a lot of knee pains and back pains. And then on Friday, it was a huge clinic. Um, Lots of coughs, upper respiratory, some um, incisions and drainage abscesses, just fungus infections. We kind of deal with many and any of your urgent care needs. Um, And we are blessed to have the supplies donated or purchased very inexpensively to do so. Great. So it was a lot that that happened in those days. Um, I think it was 345 people we were able to see uh, in that week. And um, And we were able to give glasses to people. So, you know, blurry goes to less blurry. That's kind of exciting, even if we didn't get it exactly right. Yeah, just amazing to think about that. Um, Some of the stuff that we looked at was, it's just, for us, we take it, it, it's so for granted, so a guy walks in, he's got these big glasses on, and he says, I got headaches all the time, I can't see up close, I can't see far. And for us, we're like, go to the eye doctor and get that taken care of. For him, I can't. I don't have that opportunity. And so we were able to give him some glasses that helped a little bit more, but they didn't help all the way. Um, but so some of the stuff that, that we were able to service there was just stuff that we wouldn't even think about. Um, we would take care of it re- very quickly or even over the counter, and yet... Um, major help to, to a number of those. So, Miss Jen, how many times have you been on this trip? Uh, this would be my, twi- my second. Your second, okay. So, for you, uh, what was some of the, uh, one of the experiences that stood out to you, and, and how was God, like, speaking to you through that experience? Um, so, last trip I went on was a couple of years ago, and um, that trip was um, a lot like the first group that went, um, a lot more building houses and doing community type things. But with this group, with this trip, I really wanted to do the medical clinic, but because I, I do work in the medical field as an x ray tech, and so I wanted something that was going to be kind of exciting and fun that way. Um, so, this time I worked on a lot more of the medical teams. And um, the last uh, workday that we were there, we were at a place called Hope Haven, which was the wheelchair ministry. Um, For a number of years, I've been hearing about Hope Haven Haven from Kara Colagero, who is in Guatemala now. She's been there for almost a year now, coming back in October. Um, And so uh, she went on one of her first trips there and had this awesome opportunity. And so I've been really wanting to see it in person for a number of years. So we went and um, met 
these awesome people. Uh, basically, Hope Haven is a wheelchair ministry where they get the raw materials to physically build wheelchairs um, from scratch. So they get uh, the raw metal, they get raw pieces of plastic that they kind of drill holes into and drill together and make these wheelchairs. They make the seats, everything. And not only are these people making the wheelchairs, but they live in wheelchairs. They are wheelchair bound, most majority of them. And um, just the fact that they're able to take this part of their life, you know, a life where they're confined to their wheelchair and in many aspects, especially in a country like Guatemala where you probably wouldn't have a lot of opportunities to um, be able to provide for yourself and not only maybe your family um, being stuck in a wheelchair, uh, but they do that. They build these wheelchairs for other people. The wheelchairs are giving out um, as a ministry. So what would cost someone here to buy one of these wheelchairs? Um, they're giving out, I think, the they give them out for like, I think it's like for free, or in some cases, I think they could be purchased for $250, which is unheard of. Um, and so, uh, let's see, they, um, there's actually two women that work there in the wheelchair factory that were on uh, the Guatemalan Paralympic team a number of years ago in Toronto. They played basketball. I thought that was really cool. Um, and so they just don't let being in a wheelchair hold them back. And so this was an awesome opportunity. We got to do some exciting uh, some very mundane things for them, just basically organizing. But for them, when you're talking about a uh, a pallet that's literally piled with leather about this high, just sheets of leather, and to have to pull those down when you're sitting in a wheelchair here and trying to pull them down from a pallet here and roll them up into rolls and then put them away in stacks that are about this high, uh, that's just not possible. So for us to be able to do that for them was incredible. Um, we also did a lot of organizing and separating just small things like nuts and bolts and things, things that they're going to use to do their daily work. Um, we also did some vaccinations for them, and that was really cool, um, being able to help them um, and keep them from getting sick from working with metals and things like that that they do. Uh, it was a really neat experience. Awesome. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Rachel? What stood out to you? So what, what were some of the things that God was teaching you personally on this experience? Okay, so there's a couple things. <laughs> um, for those of you who know me well, or maybe not so well, um, I like to be in control. And, um, Is your husband here? Uh, <laughs> Did you hear her say that? We, we've got that recorded. Okay. <laughs> so, so okay. Continue. Um, anyways, it's a minor flaw of the few. So, I can't be perfect. Um, so, anyways, God has kindly um, demonstrated to me through many ways that um, my plan isn't always His plan. And throughout the planning process, you know, I would, I was. So excited to make this such an awesome medical experience. We're going to make it an epic medic clinic this year. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to run with it. And, you know, I, I, it was so easy to lose focus of God 
during that time and when I had lost too much focus and was focused on what I was going to do, um, he would slow me down and he would make me wait for an email from Clay for two weeks or he would say, ah, sorry, that's not going to work. And I would get a little bit discouraged and be like, all right, God, what do you want me to do? You know, uh, I need you here. And as soon as I slowed down and let him take control, things would fall into place. And um, I would be relieved and say, okay, I get it, got it. Thanks, God. So then in country, the same thing happened. You know, I'm really excited. We're going to do these clinics. We're getting the team all amped up. And day one, day two, um, I was disappointed. I uh, thought the turnout was going to be bigger, all this planning. Like, what the heck? Who dropped the ball? I, I didn't, you know, but, you know, maybe I did. What could I have done better? I let my team down. You know, I, I, I struggled with it a lot. Um, but come the end of the week, our clinic was booming. We had an enormous amount of people waiting, you know, through three providers. We got through a lot of people that day. And if we would have had the crazy booming clinic days one, two, we wouldn't have had enough supplies on Friday. So, um, you know, it, God just always comes through and he constantly reminds me that He's in control. It's his plan. And he brought who he wanted to us to love, to care for, and to meet their needs. It's not us or my wants or needs that need to be met during that time. So that was a big thing. And then um, the water filters. Can I share that? Absolutely. Um, I... I, was, I love that we do the medical part of it, but Wednesday we got to do um, water filters. And our, we had three different um, groups, and we had three families in each group. And um, we used the water filter as a demonstration of our lives um, before Jesus, the dirty water, um, accepting Christ as our Savior, the filter, and, and how we have a pure life for eternity afterwards. So I volunteered pretty immediate for that. I think you got voluntold. I, maybe. <laughs> and I works. was starting to get really, I was like, oh, yeah, I got this. But then I was getting really super anxious. Um, and it ended up being the most amazing experience. I, God, like, gave me every word to say at the right time and... There was one belief in our group, and there was one who maybe wasn't ready, but this woman to my right, she was just like hanging on, I felt, to like every single word I said. And, um, you know, here we can build relationships and talk about God slowly and kind of introduce them through our actions and kind of feel people out, but this was like maybe a one-shot deal. And um, God... I feel if she didn't accept Christ at that time, that he gave me whatever I needed to say to plant a really firm seed. And for me, the clinics were awesome, but that was like the most amazing experience to have that impact. So 
Let me just um, bridge off of that for a moment. Uh, each trip that I go on, there's usually some aspect of the trip where God touches my heart in a unique way. Um, and sometimes it's at the house build, sometimes it's a medic clinics. And, and this year, it was when we were doing water filters and giving people an opportunity to have a better life. Uh, through it's just something as simple as having clean water. And so for, for me, it was that moment we gathered together and we had that conversation quickly. Who's going to talk? Who's going to do what? And, and so the group that I was in, Rachel was a part of that group. Rachel stepped up and said, I'll, I'll share the gospel. You think about what we can do for people. Water filter's great. Building a home for somebody's great. 3G Sunday is coming up, you know, cleaning our beaches, uh, painting a facility around town. That's great. What lasts for eternity? people who know Jesus. That lasts for eternity. It's the greatest thing we could ever give anybody. The greatest message we could ever share. The greatest gift we could ever share. And as a pastor, I went around and um, I was watching all of our teams do that. I was so proud of our group. I was so proud to watch them share the gospel, that Jesus died so that, that we can live and they did an amazing job of doing that. So it was just one of those moments for me where I was reminded again of how important it is for us to know the gospel and share the gospel with people around us. So um, it's a great job uh, to all of our team members who did that. Now, David, besides um, the highlight of your week being able to be my roommate, um, there were some other substantial things that stood out to you that God was working on in your life. So yes. What, what are those things? We don't have time to go into the roommate thing this time, but... We're going to talk about conflict uh, resolution next week. Right. Um, probably for me, I, th I think I went last year, uh, and it was so different this year because last year I had one of my daughters with me, so I was in dad mode. I was doing all the stuff, but I was kind of watching her. You know, we're in a different place, different country. So this year, um, I went in a leadership position. Um, so I had already done some of the house builds and done some of the things. So I kind of stepped back and let um, people who haven't done that do it. And I kind of watched. What, what was really cool is it gave me a really great perspective to actually look at the families, look at where they live, how they act, you know, and kind of interact with them. And you'll see on the screen, um, that was the second house build we did, or, or the first, the only one I did. Um, the, the 10 shack you see there, that's their house now. Um, and then the, the next slide is uh, a photo of the inside of the home. Um, but, but what struck me was when we got there, the, the little boy that you'll see in a minute, um, Eduardo, there he is, came running up the hill speaking something in Spanish, and I asked the interpreter, what's he saying? Because he was very animated. He said, don't come in the house yet, my mom's cleaning it. Um, and then when I asked her if I could take a picture of the inside of the house, he, he ran up and said, photo, photo, and uh, just wanted to take a picture. Um, and what I thought of just through that whole process of, of watching him, God, first of all, I thought I was going to go down there and be super cool Christian and change these people, you know, and God kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, who do you think you are? I said, I'm changing you through them. Because watching them, you know, attitude is so much of everything we have. You know, anything we go through, it's our attitude. And just seeing this little kid who has nothing, um, his attitude was just so awesome. 
Um, you know, and that just touched me that, you know, a lot of times my attitude is horrible. I've got so much, um, we all do, and yet my attitude can be so bad because I just think I need more stuff. Um, and these people don't have stuff, and they're happy. So uh, that's one big thing God was kind of sharing with me. Um, the other thing was just about our culture. You know, we, we just want so much. We think we need all this stuff. Um, and it tends just to make us worry more about keeping it and getting more. Um, and these people are so happy with not having anything. Um, if you can go to the next slide, just to give you an instance of what, that's their bathroom. Um, that's, a, that's, that's where they go. It's just a toilet. There's no pipe. There's no drain. There's no water. They go in that. When, they're, when it's full, they scoop it out, I guess, and start over. So, you know, we, we complain if we have to wait to go to the bathroom at the restaurant. So, um, but it was just really good to interact with the family. Um, God's teaching me a lot about myself and about uh, these trips. So it's really cool. So one of the things that we talked about while we were there is the reality that many of the folks that we were servicing there lack opportunity. So one of the things that David was saying to me earlier was it's not that they can't advance in life and, and, and do things that we would, we would think you know, a, a civilized culture would do. For a lot of them, they're stuck in survival mode. I mean, they're just trying to survive day after day after day. And they don't have opportunity to, to do new things. And a water filter may give them you know, some opportunity. A home gives them some opportunity. And uh, so we began a conversation down there. It's like, how can we help them have a better opportunity at a better life? How can we help them break some of this poverty cycle and, and, and bring some, some information to them that maybe help them to step out of that, maybe one or two steps in, in a positive direction. So we're working on some of that. One of the benefits of a long-term partnership uh, with uh, Glacia del Camino is that, that, that we can see what happens over a long period of time. Instead of just going around the world and stamping our passports, look, I went here and I went there, I went there. What if we went to one location or a few locations again and again and again and again to help that community and make their lives better? And so that's what we're working on, and we're trying to figure out how to do that. So be in prayer for us as, as we do that. Um, we wish we could share more. There, there's so much more that we could share with you. We, we've got a little montage video that's going to capture a little bit more of what we were doing there. Um, so take a look at this montage video real quick. Would you uh, thank our team that was here? So going back to the Great Commission, God has called us to go. And we've got several more international trips that we're going to be taking next year. We've got our dates already selected, July 8th and I think July 20-something. Um, and some other opportunities that hopefully we'll be able to bring to you in the near future. So God wants all of us to go around the world to tell people about Jesus, bring the gospel to them. And some of you are, are sensing that now, you know, like next year's your year. You know it's time. And I'm grateful that we've got a little bit of time. It helps us to get prepared spiritually and physically and, and financially. But some of you need to commit right now in, in your heart in this moment, I'm going. 
next year. I'm going to go. I went on my first international trip when I was 15 years old. I spent a summer in Panama. I'll never forget it. God reached in my heart and grabbed it in a way that he'd never grabbed it before. We came to, to starting Epic seven years ago. I said, God, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to be involved in international missions. And we started in September of 2009. Before we were a year old, we were taking a trip to Guatemala. And we've gone back again and again, and it's not about what we do there. That's a small piece of the puzzle. It's about what God does right here. And so I want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and go internationally. Now, you don't have to wait a year to go and serve, because serving starts right here. Going means going out of this facility, walking into our community, and seeing our community the way that God sees it, knowing that this is our mission field. This is our mission field, folks. You may go home, and that's your mission field. You may go to school this week, that's your mission field. You may go to work this week. That's your mission field. God has called us to live on mission every day here and share the gospel with people that we're around. So be a missionary right here. Um, a few other ways that you can do that. We talked last week about getting involved in our church family and what God is doing through this ecclesia, this local church. And uh, several of you have gotten active in that and are getting active in that. So thank you for that. And others of you, uh, maybe God is saying, like, this is the time to get active through this local church. We've got a, a serving opportunity coming up on October 23rd that we call 3G Sunday. And that's like one of my favorite days of the year is it's an opportunity for us to go out into our community, get outside of these four walls and go to our community and say, God is for you, and so are we. We've got, I don't know how many different projects, but we're looking for 350 people to be active in that from, from all ages, to be active in serving our community. So there's many ways that you can be active in going around the world and telling people about Jesus. What does God want you to do starting today? So let's pray, and then uh, we'll be done for today. God, I am so grateful for... Lord, that challenge that Jesus, you gave us before you left, uh, you went back to heaven and, and you gathered your followers together and you said, listen, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth and here's what I want you to do with that authority. I want you to go into the world, make disciples and teach those disciples about my ways of how to interact with the world and how to live the best possible way they can as a Christ follower. Lord, you're still giving that challenge to us today. You're gathering us as a church family and saying, go, start in, in your community, go, go to your state, go to your nation, and go internationally and tell people about Jesus. So Lord, I pray that that would be a fire that burns deeply in us. I pray that we would understand that everywhere we go, we are missionaries. Everywhere we go is our mission field. So when we leave here today, Lord, I pray that we would see people from your perspective. And God, I don't know how this works in me, but I know when I go on an inter international trip, you touch my heart in ways that, that are significant, and I often come home different. And I often come home seeing my community differently and seeing people around me here a little bit more like how you see them. And Lord, we all need that. So Lord, I know you're speaking to some people about going internationally next year. 
I pray they'd make that commitment right now. Lord, you're speaking to some people about serving locally. I pray they'd make that commitment. In our 3G Sunday that's coming up or serving through our church family or, or going home and serving a family member in a whole new way or serving at work in a whole new way or serving at school in a whole new way. Jesus, you said it so well. It's better to give than it is to receive. So Lord, teach us how to do that in significant ways every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.